Welcome back to the Dental Bright Bites podcast. Today we're interviewing Jonathan Miller of Fortune Management. I think it goes without saying that Fortune Management is an incredible consulting company. However, Jonathan is a great asset to our local team. Today, he'll be sharing with us his top three tips and tricks to grow your practice, as well as his ideas of bringing on an associate or even buying a local small practice to absorb it into your own and grow that way. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. So let's talk about the top three ways, your tips and tricks to grow your practice. Yes. So, you know, the number one, if you will, is more new patients. Every practice owner, that's usually what they all want to focus on. So that is obviously one of the three ways to grow your practice. However, there are two other major ways to grow your practice that often get Mm -hmm. neglected. Uh, and, And so they're not in any particular order, but the second way would be to get them to come back more often. So more frequency. Mm-hmm. What we find is that the, the national average of, of recare effectiveness, essentially how often your patients are honoring your six-month recall or perhaps your three- or four-month recall for those perio patients, we find that the national average for that is only about 30 to 40% in a GP practice. So yeah. pretty low. Yeah, I would say most of the time that doctors come and talk to me and tell me that they need new patients and we actually look at things, it's more so that they have a backdoor problem people are Absolutely. leaving backdoor problem. That's right. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely something that, that people should look for. And well, what's your third thing? And, and the third thing is obviously more dentistry per visit, meaning that, you know, Hey, I don't, I get a lot of new patients per month and they all come back when they're supposed to, except I'm just doing profies and fillings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously you need to have a little bit of a mix there. Uh, yeah. So that more dentistry per visit is, you know, uh, a very simple one would be something like Sarah and having CAD cam technology and, and doing that. Uh, another one would yeah. be uh, obviously implants. Another one would be Invisalign. I mean, so all those things and, and with the way technology is going, the options are becoming unlimited for a general yeah. practitioner. Um, yeah. but, you know, it, you don't want to be that. Uh, I had a doctor one time tell me, oh, I'm a profi palace. <laughs> you don't want to be that place. <laughs> yeah. Um, because then that just means that, you know, you're not getting that those patients to go into hygiene, you're not getting them to accept treatment on the restorative operative side. Yeah. I mean, another like simple thing that I see all the time is people aren't taking their x-rays. <laughs> oh my gosh. X-rays and doctor exams. A lot of oh doctors my gosh. will only do one exam a year and you're just letting opportunities walk right out the door. Exactly. A lot can happen in six months, especially what we know and what I try and teach every office is you have to educate the patient. So yeah. uh, I, I won't spend a lot of time opinion there's education there's experience and there's emotion all mm-hmm. three of those things are happening in your office ideally you're the one controlling those those three stories and if not then the inner dialogue of the patient is right yeah so in that education it's it's very simple to let the patients know hey a lot of factors are working against you in your dental health age is one of them the older you get the odds are against you that your dental health is going to maintain it's usually going to deteriorate mm-hmm. right uh, uh, stress level is another one and of course diet is a big one as yep. well but so those are things that we should be consistently educating the patients on and letting them know that, hey, yeah, six months ago it wasn't an issue. And today I'm starting to see the beginning stages of perio disease. We want to get it taken care of now. Well, it's a beginning stage thing and not as it's a, hey, gum surgery. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think you're 100% right. A lot of doctors don't do exams. A lot of doctors don't do x-rays. And I'll tell you what, Sarah, while we're on the topic, I, I can't possibly, I, I mean, I, I just stress this so much. You have to have intraoral cameras. Yeah. 
It's the number one enrollment tool in dentistry today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I appreciate doctors investing money into CAD cam or into comb beam and all that, but it bothers me so much. I'm like, yeah, we have one intraoral <laughs> camera. We have a five operatory practice. Jeez. Then don't bother. Yeah. Get five intraoral cameras and maybe you get a six just because sometimes they do break down. Sometimes they go on the fritz. Mm-hmm. But if you have an intraoral camera gone, I promise you, you will see your case acceptance rates drop. And if you have them up and running, you'll see them improve. Yeah, it's, I think it's not I think people forget because we're in the dental world and we're talking about teeth all day long and oral health. Um, we understand the terminology that we're talking about. And, you know, doctors and hygienists and assistants and everyone within our world, we need to remember that most people outside of dentistry don't understand what we're talking about. So I totally agree with you. Intraoral cameras are so crucial um, because when you tell someone they have a cavity, you need to show them or they have crowding, you need to show them because they don't know right. what that means. Right. right. The age old picture of a thousand words yeah. is timeless because it's true. I mean, one of the things I find funny is that, you know, some people, if they looked at the sight of their own blood, would pass yeah. out. They cut their finger and go, oh, my God, I can't see it. I'm going to pass out or get yep. sick. But at the same time, though, those same people can taste the blood in their mouth and go, ah, that's normal. Yeah. It bleeds when I floss sometimes or it bleeds. Yeah, doc, because you're poking me with metal. That's normal. Yeah. That's not normal. We know healthy gums don't bleed. Yep. But you got to show those people. That's why that's so powerful. Yep. And, you know, I think that we miss the connection, especially in the dental world, because along what you're saying, we're talking the language all mm-hmm. day. Every single patient is, is operating under the same principle, and that is they're going to buy dentistry for emotional reasons and justify it with logic. Just like my wife does with shoes, <laughs> just like I do with suits. Take your pick. I buy it for the emotions that it gives me. And I justify it with logic. I say, oh, I need one. This is going to last me for forever. And my wife would be like, oh, well, these high heels are really comfortable. <laughs> sure. There's, you still took them off two hours into the night. I'm missing the comfort factor, but whatever. Sounds good, sweetie. All, all you. Just say just um, say yes. Yes, dear. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> I know. I've learned that. Um, so, so while we're on the, the three ways to grow your practice, um, let's dive into a little bit of like a lateral growth strategy. I know you work with a lot of customers on um, buying other practices to absorb them into their own. How does that work? And how does the doctor know when that might be a good fit for them to approach that model? Okay. So there's kind of two parts. So if we're talking about purely buying a practice, there's a few things I want every doctor to look at, you know, how many operatories do they have? And then what is their, collection number per month per operatory. Mm-hmm. A good number, as in, hey, you're about maxing out, is something in the twenty-two dollars to $25,000 mark. Mm-hmm. And so I say that because, you know, with modern technology, you can absolutely push that number higher. Yep. But let's just pretend that you don't, you're not going comb beam and you're not completely digital workflow. You're more bread and butter and that's fine. So a good number is that twenty-two to twenty-five dollars mm-hmm. per operatory per month says, you know what, I either need to expand my schedule and perhaps bring in an associate and or I need to have another location. Mm-hmm. The, other, the other thing to look at is how far booked out is doctor schedule and how far booked out is hygiene. It is, um, it's quite, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny when, when a, you have offices tout that, oh, we're <laughs> four months booked in hygiene, we're six months booked Gosh. in hygiene. That's awful. I know, I know. People brag That's, about that all the time. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> right, nobody brags about, oh, my car gets two miles per gallon. No, that's crazy. Yeah. You're not driving smart. Yeah. But we brag about six months booked in hygiene. So, you know, one of the things we look at is if you're that far booked in hygiene, you need to add another day of hygiene, perhaps another hygienist, you know, perhaps another operatory. The, you know, the list goes yeah. on and on. 
one of the things we strive to do is try and teach doctors economies of scale. The better we can get with our economies of scale, and a very simple uh, way of explaining that, Sarah, would just be, you know, the better we can get at efficiencies and saying, hey, at this point, uh, in terms of practice collection versus practice overhead, I'm making a lot more profitability, then that's where we want to leverage economies of scale, meaning that the more I add to the schedule or the more I add to the practice, I'm not necessarily increasing my overhead dollar for dollar. Mm -hmm. So instead, I'm increasing my overhead by fractions of a dollar, but my profitability then is going to be that much more profitable every time. Yep. So, you know, that would be like running a, you know, a split schedule is a popular thing these days. So maybe you're running seven to seven with yeah. you know, separate schedules. Yep. Um, perhaps you're, you know, two doctors um, in a practice and they're working six days a week. Obviously, they're not all working all six days, things mm -hmm. like that. So one of the things that we love to do is take a practice that may be a little older, a little more rundown within, uh, you know, roughly three to five mile radius, depending upon where you're located yeah. and merging that practice into your practice. Mm -hmm. So, um, simply being, let's keep the, the, the great, uh, key team players from that team, team members. Yep. Let's bring them in. Let's bring that selling doctor over for at least a year or two to be that associate and really help those patients transition to your practice. And then of course, let's bring all those great patients that they have. Yeah. That, and so the, that's there's, such a, there's a bit of a strategy behind it, but yeah, please. Go that's ahead. such an amazing scenario because you know, so many older doctors um, or even doctors that are just checked out and, and ready to do something else with their life. Um, they might be watching their practice start to tank for years and years. And, you know, they, they might not have the energy to or desire to, to put the effort into it. So if they um, can sell their practice and continue to stay on to work, you know, if they're a doctor that wants to retire for an agreed upon period of time, they can sell their practice, start to make an income, and then be able to help transition their patients to a doctor that they trust. Um, and, and the doctor that they trust will now be uh, able to have so many more patients in his practice, her, her practice, uh, as well as the staff and everything. So I, I think that's a great model. Yeah. Yeah. And it, we've seen it work really, really well. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't, I mean, let's face it, in today's world, it's more competitive than it's ever been. Yep. And so oftentimes you're that doctor that is, you don't have to be late as in age. You just could be late in your career. You could be like, look, I've been doing this for a long time and you know, I may only be 50 or 55 or whatever the case is. You're not old and you probably got plenty of years of dentistry left, but you just don't feel like making the investment in technology. You don't feel like making the investment in team training and all those things. You just want to come in, put your head down, be a great clinician and not have to worry about why is the front office manager not talking to the back office assistant? Mm -hmm. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> or why is the hygienist not performing or calling in sick a yeah. lot? Or why is my overhead crazy? You want to forget all that stuff and that's okay. So these mergers can be really, really powerful for that doctor to still get years out of their career, just not headaches. Yeah. Because let's face it, being a business owner isn't for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the, the gift or the curse with dentistry is it's kind of the last frontier in the medical world where you can go out and build a business and you're not under control by the hospitals or somebody coming in and dictating how you must do treatment. Um, and, you know, while there's a lot to be said for insurance companies and, and kind of all the games that they play, you still, at the end of the day, get to call the shots. And it is your practice with your patients and your team, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the gift part of it. And the curse part of it is it's still your practice and your team. Yeah. So you're responsible for all the good and unfortunately all the bad. Yeah. 
There's nobody there to fix it but you. Now, this model particularly works well for doctors who have not maxed, like for the, the purchasing doctor. Uh, they right. have not maxed right. out their space. They have not maxed out their current patient load or, or uh, their team. Absolutely. So they have some room for growth, but they might be doing all of the right things, but they want to uh, maybe grow overnight, basically. And, and this That's is right. a good solution in that case, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And there's a way to do it. We, we put together something that we don't have enough time to talk about now, but we do put together a plan yeah. that protects both doctors. Um, and it isn't, I'll tell you just in short, it's not just going to the bank, getting a check, giving it to them and hoping that everyone comes over. You have to have that, that selling doctor who's coming into your practice kind of tied to it, if you will, such that their patients do come over. Because yeah. the worst thing that could happen is, hey, I came and uh, the patients didn't. Sorry, but, you know, mm-hmm. you, you owe me money. Yeah. Uh, not exactly. Yeah. Um, now, associate wise, if we just want to talk about purely bringing on an associate, uh, you know, there's a few things. One, if you are maxing out and you don't have enough hours and, you, you, you know, your schedule is booked out, that's a that's a great sign to bring on an associate and start talking economies of scale from that level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, giving freeing up your Doc, the, let's just say lead doctor, owner doctor's restorative operative schedule to do more of that higher end dentistry or the dentistry that they love doing and releasing some of that, you know, just stuff that they're sick of doing, such as, you know, uh, periodic exams and fillings. And, you know, there's some doctors out there sick of doing crown work too. Yeah. And they want to focus on sleep apnea and implants. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Get a great associate, bring them in. You know, we say that there's, you know, at least a six to 12 month kind of courtship period yep. before you, you know, formalize everything. You just kind of want to treat them as a, a regular run of the mill associate. And then after that, you may want to change compensation, maybe change benefit package, all that. Yep. You know, you want, you want somebody loyal to your practice who actually cares mm-hmm. and wants to see it grow and perform. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, that bringing in an associate can be a very, very powerful thing. I just, I do think there are some owner doctors that have kind of a misconception that the associate is going to show up or, or sometimes expects them to bring their own patient base. Yeah. That's not possible. <laughs> they don't have a, a place. They don't, yes. nobody knows who the heck they are. So yeah. be cognizant of that. And, and, you know, some cases when we see really aggressive doctors, we see them, um, we see them actually bringing in an associate and then from there going and acquiring that practice as well and merging it in mm. because the owner doctor said, you know what, I really just want to hang it up, but I'll come over for maybe six months and then great, I have young associate doctor come in. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your tips. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you. Happy to do it. All right. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening and a huge thank you to Jonathan for coming on today. If you need any information or contact information for Jonathan, please check the show notes. Otherwise, I would really appreciate it if you could leave me a review or better yet, share this with one of your friends. Otherwise, I'll be back in two weeks with another episode.